Bitterness kills the soul. Anthony Ray Hinton. Bending Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 9. Bitter Work. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. Season 2, Episode 9. The episode is Bitter Work. Bitter Work. And if you can't tell from our quote and the title of the show, our lens this week is going to be what, Ben? Bitterness. Bitterness. We decided to just go hit the nail on the head and just talk about it, shall we? Yeah, let's talk about but it. But before we get all to that, how is how's your week been? How was your week? Your two weeks. It's been a little while. We had to oh, we had to take yeah. a quick little break. You had a good two weeks. Uh, I mean, I had a pretty good week at work this week. I feel like I've been ending and like getting getting to stuff on time, and I feel like I've been you know feeling successful at work. So that's been nice. Oh, I tried cooking again because I'm doing that cooking challenge. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah And I yeah. accidentally doubled the amount of cayenne pepper that was supposed to go on a fish. Uh, and it was... Bitter's, not, bitter's not probably not the word, but it wasn't good. I was bitter about you cooking it. It was... Oh, the cayenne pepper particles floated through the kitchen for a while. And my room. Well... Literally couldn't stop coughing. Sorry. Next time, I'll try not to double the amount of cayenne pepper. But, yeah, that happened to me. And, of course, we have Max Gongaware with us. I'm always so grateful that he's here. Welcome, Max. Thank you. He's very, uh, he's just... Terse. He's like that, that strong, silent type. Oh. Mm. Just... What a catch. Dark and mysterious. He is a catch. With just the right amount of cayenne, too. Hello. Ooh. Ooh. A little saucy he's today. Max spicy. Is a little saucy. We're recording yeah, on I a... think spicy is more accurate than saucy, if we're talking cayennes. Yes, but... All right, any... and the mood is ruined. What happened during this episode? Oh, uh, before we get there, well, let's—we have to ask Max. Do we That's not? That's what I'm saying. So it is time for Max's uninformed recap. Cap, 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 cap. Max, are you ready? I mean, y'all haven't given me any of my clues yet. Well, are you ready for your clues? Sure. Who okay. Am I, who am I, blue? Get it. <laughs> The first scene, Aang wakes up and is excited to learn some earthbending while the gang is sleeping in a canyon pass. The last scene is Zuko stands in a storm and screams to be hit by lightning. Your keywords are training, lightning bending, saber-tooth moose lion, redirection, and positive reinforcement. Those are your key phrases. Do you need any of those again, Mr. Gongaware? Uh, yeah, can you give me the beginning and end again? The first scene, Aang wakes up excited to learn some earthbending while the gang sleeps in a canyon pass. And in the last scene, Zuko stands in a storm and screams to be hit by lightning. At the top of a mountain. Yes, very scary, very sad. We are getting into those moments in the uh, in the season that I like to call the Great Depression of Avatar, which is like the next like six episodes are just like unbearable. 
Do you have something to say? No. Okay. Max, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Why not? On your mark. You've got... Hold on. I'll pull the timer. You've got... Because we stick so closely to the timer every time. We're doing it right now. You're going to get 63 seconds. Can't wait. On your mark. Who's Mark? Get set. (laughs) Go. All right. So the episode begins when Aang wakes up and is excited to learn earthbending while the gang sleeps in a, in a, a canyon pass. And of course, I know what a canyon pass is um, because I've been training on vocabulary of canyon passes. Uh, now, when you're in a canyon, you have to pass on um, lightning bending because you shouldn't lightning bend while in a canyon. It's dangerous. And it attracts the saber-toothed moose lions. And um, once you attract the saber-toothed moose lions... 30 seconds left. You have to redirection them uh, so that you can be more (laughs) safe. Uh, And that's what Aang did. He was able to redirection them um, using a a tactful uh, palette of positive reinforcement. Um, So he was able to redirect the moose lions... Uh, while using positive reinforcement, and then he went to sleep because it was a tired night. But then there was a lightning storm, Five, and he screamed, four, and he wanted three, to get hit by the lightning two, because positive reinforcement. One. Nailed it. No doubt. Well, that, well, Aang wasn't the one who was screaming in the lightning storm. That was Zuko. I think duh. you were particularly spot on with your redirection of the saber-toothed moose Which is, that is exactly what happened. I know that. Yeah. That was close. Ben, are you ready for it? Do you want to go? I'm waiting him for him to watch an episode and then come in and like perf- nail the recap. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun thing for him I to just... I promise that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, Ben, do you want to do the recap this week or do you want me to do it? Uh... I think you did the last one. Well, then it's your turn. Yeah, you should totally do it. All right. Who, are, is there a timer this time? Or There's just... always a timer. Okay, great. On your mark. <clears throat> Excuse me. Get set. And go. And he's decided to learn some earthbending, and so Toph and him go off and earthbend, and then we get a fun little dream sequence from Io of him playing with the sun and mourning his death. Ah! Zuko wakes up and offers him some tea, and Zuko needs to learn some stronger firebending to take on Azula, because she's crazy and needs to go down. Katara offers advice to Toph about her teaching methods with Aang, and tries some different strategies, including kettlebell workouts and, you know, positive reinforcement. Toph blinds Aang so he can sense a boulder that's coming. Yeah, thanks, Katara. Ten seconds. And Aang jumps into the boulder's path, or jumps out of it, and Toph lays into him, going into a waterbend too. Zuko continues to Four, struggle. They continue three, to train, and eventually two, Aang saves the day. One. Wow. I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, there's you can summarize quickly the episode. It depends on how detailed you want to get. Sure, 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 sure. So we're talking about some bitterness. Ben? Yeah, yeah we are. What's bitterness? Um. Well, you know... I think that there's a lot of things that are, you could talk about bitterness. I think one of the things you can think about is anger or disappointment from being treated unfairly. Mm. Uh, I think that's the dictionary definition that came up on Google. Yeah, a little bit of resentment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, when it comes to like your taste buds, it's kind of like the opposite of sweetness in a way. That's how it was written when I read about it. How, How do you feel about that? I don't like. I go. I go back to the cayenne pepper. Like it was that wasn't sweet, but I don't know if bitter's the word that I would have described it with. But maybe that's exactly. I don't the word think. I, should describe I don't it think with. sweet 
is opposite of spicy, right? right? Spicy and sweet are different, but they're not opposites. What this is suggesting is that bitterness is the opposite of sweetness. Maybe. Yeah. I like my coffee bitter. I was also read an article about bitterness that was, there are like seven elements to bitterness and they came up. I read one that said nine elements to bitterness. Well, let's see if, let's see which ones there. Let's talk about them for a little bit. So I'll read mine and you can talk about yours. This is more of the the nine habits of people who. Oh, interesting. All right. Exude bitterness on a typical basis. Cool, cool. Me first. Okay. So self-pity. Okay. uh, Desire to make someone else suffer. Mm. Vindictiveness. Looking for a fight sociopathic pride resentment and then narcissism Mm. those are the seven things that came up when i read about bitterness what about you so these are the habits that of people who um, if you can break these habits they can make you feel better and not bitter one is not forgiving others one is not forgiving yourself all or nothing thinking Mm. Holding others to a higher standard than you hold yourself. Believing that things will never get better. Believing you have less control over your life than you really do. Believing the myth of a rival. Do you want me to dive into that a little bit? The, yeah. The myth of, uh, of a rival refers to the idea that once you have arrived at a certain point in your life, everything will fall into place. Oh, yeah, 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 So yeah. once you get to a certain point, you never have to like continue oh, yeah. working or like, I, everything should be perfect. I'll be happy when yes. X, Y, or Z happens. Or I've, like, I've gotten married, and so like me and my Everything will be set. easy once I get married. Right, like we don't have to work on anything once we're at the stage. So Why would I have to deal with place. that? Um, overgeneralizing. And then the last one is not practicing gratitude. I think gratitude's so important. Yeah. Can you go back to the one, uh, can you quickly recap those, just speed read them again? There was one that really... Not forgiving others, not forgiving yourself, all or nothing thinking, holding others to a higher standard than you hold Stop. yourself. Stop, that's the one. So for me, holding people to a higher standard than you hold yourself is really interesting because I like to think I have pretty high standards. And I think that I have high standards of others, but also of me. (laughs) And so I have felt bitter around people in my life when I'm holding them to a higher standard, but it's, I'm not, I feel like I'm holding us to the same standard. And even though I sometimes meet it, I don't feel like I'm being held to a like less high standard than the ones I'm holding them, but I still feel bitter how do you feel about that? Does that? I wonder if that is a perception that yeah, you might hold yourself to high standards, um, which plays into the not forgiving yourself or being too hard on yourself type of thing. But I also wonder if it's perception of like, are you truly being or holding yourself to those same standards that you're expecting of other people, or if that is a, you perceive that you're meeting those standards? Interesting. I think I'd need outside eyes to help me with that. That's I guess. like other people. Yeah. Yeah. So there might be moments, and there might be moments in my life where I'm saying, "You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to be doing all of these things." And someone could easily sit, turn back to me and say, "Like, well, those are the standards you're setting." And I might say, "I totally do that." And in their eyes, I don't. I would use being present in programs that I work with, right? So I might tell my directors that I work with, "Hey, you need to be present in your programs." Just like I'm present in your programs, and they might say, "You're not present in my programs." You know what go, comes oh. comes to mind is I always grew up, and I have since learned and grown but i have i kind of grew up believing that i cared about others more than they cared about me and that 
is something I had a conversation with one of my friends who is graduating college um, this coming May and they were, that's all they could talk about is I feel like I, I, I just, I love people so much and I always am pouring more into others. And I found myself being like, man, I see so much of myself in you and I struggle with that. And I kind of still struggle with that sometimes, but just the way we express love and the things of that nature are just so hard to read that it's very easy to tell yourself a story that is easy to believe when it may or may not be true. Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves are... You're jumping into next episode. I already took notes on that one. Uh, the stories we tell ourselves? Yeah. All right, we can not talk about that. Sorry. I apologize. Wow. I feel a little bitter that you brought it up. A little bitter right there. Let's talk about bitter. Let's give out some more. Who wins the, like... The not bitter award. Like, who's the like the character that you were like, either pleasantly surprised with, or just yeah. out of everything that goes on, like, isn't very bitter this episode. Uh, oh wow, I didn't. Uh, you know, it's really interesting because I think that there are moments that each character I expected a little bit more bitterness, or I could have seen. I would have been okay with more bitterness. It wouldn't have seemed out of character from Aang for half the episode. Like, he was being pressured by Toph. He was being um, taught in a way that he was not used to. She would, like, acknowledge when he was successful. There were moments where he was like, oh, you did this right. and she, Your stance was right. Yeah, and and there was a smile. and Your like form was right. And, and I then think, you quit. <laughs> well, and I think he was, those moments of success sustained him until the where he until started he to not feel that success anymore right and so he was so eager to keep trying and do things until he failed in ways where he was not able to see progress right right when that boulder was rolling towards him when he was blindfolded he was so scared and so defeated after he moved from it because toft like yelled at him that that's when i feel like that self-defeat really emerged and led to him starting to feel more and more bitter. But preceding that, I feel like he was very not bitter compared to what I expected. Yeah. In that moment, you see a lot of regret, embarrassment, shame. Yeah. Shame. Like, like, he's the avatar. He should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like that kind of talk. When Toph kind of lays into him. Lays um, into him. In a way that I would argue that she's like, you had all the you had all the right ingredients and you didn't put them together is pretty much what she was saying. Like, you just quit. So there's a point and, where I, I, I wonder where this is. And you might, like, help me understand where this lies. There's a point at which Toph starts laying into Aang purposefully as in trying to get him to um, specifically when she pulls out his nuts and um, starts eating them and cracking them with his um, stick, stick, Thank staff, you. staff. That was pretty innuendo full. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> um, Phrasing kids show. Yeah. But like moral of the story is like, she's intentionally trying to goad him at that point. Whereas before it felt like she was just, that was her natural teaching style. Do you think that she was intentional that whole time and trying to like bulldoze in a way to do that? Or is that just her personality? No, I, I think that she, I, 
it could yes and like couldn't it be it could be both right like she was intentional and it's her personality i think when katara brings up you need to change your teaching style she doesn't like she she says so i think she's fully aware of what she's doing well i wonder if and part of me wonders if like she realizes this is what ang needs or if she went into it knowing what ang needs I wonder if she developed some learning throughout that episode as well as Aang. Does that make sense? Sure. Because um, I think, like, the if we look at the saber-tooth... Moose lion. Moose lion. Um, you'd never really feel for... The dang, uh, that Aang's in any danger. No. He's clearly he's, able he's to fine. defend himself. He's, and now like, he's just... Now he's not harming it, but he is continuously, like moving it and redirecting it with air and he ended up being successful mm-hmm. and so at that point um i like she wasn't li- leaving him in a place that was unsafe but she was letting him see do that then he starts to get bitter as he notices that she was there the whole time and wasn't gonna help and then she talks to him about redirecting that similar to the way that iroh talks about redirecting lightning right so I wonder if all of this is a, an allegory for when we receive mistreatment, how do we redirect that in a way that is... I love that. In a way that is helpful or beneficial. I really love so that when reading. when we feel that, when we feel this energy coming in, how do we put it into our gut, shift it around, deal with it so that we don't hurt ourselves or others? Well, and when, don't when let it go through it our out. heart. Mm-hmm. Let it go through our gut, right? Don't yep. let it... like cut us so deep that it goes through our heart and like cuts us and hurts us to the point where we can't recover mm-hmm. right let it go through ourselves let it let us process it but let it not touch the important pieces of us that won't survive if yeah. it does touch so that. feel it yeah and then how do you redirect it so that that energy becomes more productive that's on the other side a of really beautiful reading that i didn't think about i really love that that's so cool so, because that's exact when when you hear Iroh talk about the lightning, that's what I thought about. And then I also felt like when you feel ang- like that anger and ang, she even says like, "Now use that." I'm really mad. I didn't that think about rock. that. Don't forgive yourself. That's one of the habits you have to do to not. Well, be that's better. why we do this, right? Because like I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have felt this like sense of like, wow, that's that feels exactly what that means is meant to be teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so doing this with someone else is really cool yeah and so which is like why we like to do it with the people who listen to this show and send us in yeah interact with us send us, send us that type of stuff for what you know what does it mean to you um we absolutely. love hearing that type of stuff absolutely um i think what i was getting earlier one of my favorite characters that i think wins the like bitterness free award oh is iroh uh i didn't even think is, about that is Sokka. like he, his so- sarcasm was like intense though <laughs> towards the end he gets to a moment where he's like when he's finally like yay help us here oh i feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard Please place get me huh? out. like it starts to build up but like even as it happens there's this weird moment of like yep i did this this seems like this something i would do pretty much my fault <laughs> uh and well we'll make the best of it as as it goes that's fair when yeah it easily could have been like it easily could have been like if other people were helping me search for food, this wouldn't have happened. I'm always the person going out and trying to get like camping, like meals for camp. Um, no one's coming to look for me. How dare they? Do they can't believe they don't notice I'm gone. Like yeah. all that stuff could have been said, and he doesn't say a thing 
and trust them. He's like, man, eh, they'll find their way to me at some point. Yeah. And they do. Well, and like, what a remarkable amount of trust because I could imagine so many different people in my life that would have been, where were you? I've been here for hours. I've been doing all these things. I've been having to sit here and I got attacked by a saber-toothed mooth lion. And it's just, this is foo cuddly poops. Yeah. He ended up naming it. It ended up bringing him food and putting it to hang out with Fufu Cuddly yeah. Boots more this series. What if like that became Sokka's like partner? Well, mm-hmm. That would have been fun. I mean, I guess we already have Mush Mush. Like we don't need Mo another Mo. one. But Fufu Cuddly Poops um, would be a fun animal name. Your next dog, Fufu <laughs> Cuddly Poops. You won't. Yeah, I don't know how to shorten that into like a Fufu. Yeah, but like have it be a really big, gnarly, like <laughs> mastiff. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah, that's Fufu. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the beginning, if we can. Back to the beginning. Is everything a, you want. That's a not a real song. That is. It's by the band. You're wrong. Boy, which is a which is a German Austrian duo singer songwriter. So at the Point. beginning of of the episode um ang is super excited to learn earth bending and he's like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god God, teach me this teach me this teach me this and she's like hold on let's just start with the basics right Right? um but before that uh he starts by calling toff sifu toff which is a term for teacher essentially yes and katara's like you never called me sifu you never called me teacher Mm -hmm. you never gave me that amount of respect and so I've, I've been struggling with the concept and idea of respect for a long time. Because when I was working at a summer camp back in the day, uh, I had a staff member who challenged me in a way. Because one of the YMCA core character traits is respect. And one of the things that they talk about is how like respect is all the things. It's the golden rule. And there's, there's so many uh, Bible verses that reference this. There's so many, all these things that talk about how respect is so important. And this staff member came to me and said, the closer I get to someone, the more respect I lose for them. And I was like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> and I, I see this in this scene. I see it, Right. He has more respect for Toph because Toph has come along. They don't know each other as well. And she came along under the assumption that she would be his teacher, right? And for Katara, they were first friends, and then she became his instructor and his teacher. Yes? Yeah. And so it seems really interesting. Respect is given more freely to those we are not as close with. And we lose respect for a person as we gain friendship. Which I don't know if that's... I think that depends on the definition or how you define respect in those moments. I wonder if... Because for me, I think of this... Oh, I know them. I'm more comfortable with them. I can say these things jokingly and they won't hurt because they'll know it's a joke because we know each other. But that's a loss. But, that that, that, that action... True. Right. is not respectful right yeah like true or false yes. right that is true yes the intention behind it is i can i can get away with this i can say this but that's exactly what loss of respect is mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah, because I think when I think of loss of respect, I think of the way that I per, it's the, value someone's advice or exactly. the way that I look towards them, which is like I would argue that like that's that different. you don't lose. But it, depending on – so when you have this massive umbrella that covers what is respect. Exactly. It's a huge um, word. Then it is right. Like I'm, if you're saying you're not being respectful – are you losing respect in that moment or is But it... isn't that fascinating yeah. because the first time I heard that I was I wanted to argue like so hardcore with this person and I was like no that you're wrong <laughs> and and I I didn't have a compelling argument to come back with it and I have had I've been thinking about it for 10 years mm-hmm. because it's it was it struck such a powerful chord with me like in the way it was described was oh with my friends I'll I'll make these jokes and do that but I feel an immense amount of respect for my boss at the same time period Mm -hmm. and you know him as well and i have so much respect for him and i would also not make the same jokes right i would also not say the same things and have the same conversations right Mm -hmm. there's that uh, invisible line that barrier that boundary that i'm unwilling to cross because of my respect for the position the relationship and I just I found that to be really fascinating because I feel incredibly close with him, and that boundary is really powerful at the same time. And I just wonder what that's like to gain intimacy but lose that element of respect. And I wonder if that's what where that degradation of like the high divorce rate and things like that in our country. I wonder if the loss of respect is a lead into that. I wonder if we revisited respect in that capacity, if it would lead to less bitterness, if you will. Yeah. I wonder if that's all like the longer, you know, someone does the longer does bitterness get to like add up longer over time from the lack of respect. Yeah. Right. So like, or perceived lack of respect. Correct. Yes. Respect. Um, so, but then we get this moment of respect and loss of bitterness. The moment that Aang oh, what a beautiful Katara, moment! And it is such a beautiful moment where she's teaching him, and he recognized she made this comment earlier. And I respect her just as much, and she is my water bending master. And yeah, Sifu Katara. Well, and just like the humility that Aang exudes in that moment mm-hmm. to be able to do that to someone, and you can tell it means the world to her in that moment. It does. Like mm-hmm. her eyes tear up. It's a beautiful moment, and the humility is really important. And I think, I think to, I think respect requires humility, and I think that that combination leads to a solution to bitterness. Based off what we've seen in this show. So do we see respect as an antidote to bitterness? I Maybe. Maybe. In, well, like, is I that what we're finding right now what, through conversation? Maybe in combination with humility. Like, I, I see that. Self-respect. Respect for others. Yeah. Um, and I, I would argue that, and as we talk about the big umbrella term that respect is, I would argue self-respect also means understanding the stories that you tell yourself. Well. Our uh, stories that you tell yourself. Huge side note left turn uh the other podcast that i run the vespers project is releasing an episode on respect um very soon so if you want to take a deep dive into respect that might be a good place to check it out just fyi yeah, for y'all that don't know the vespers project also under the umbrella of the arc of e network correct uh has a podcast that is hosted by ben pruitt um where he talks about a lot of these lenses that we're talking about but it's also it's like more of a 
songs with stories and like deep thought into meaning without like a and we have a special guest every episode yeah who writes who writes a specific vesper and then they talk about it so it's it's really nice so instead of doing this with like a show they just do it about with like life experiences and other different art forms that yeah. play a part in that so go check out the vespers project if you uh i bet ang would write like a killer vespers that. i bet you is he a good writer I mean, he is when he's later in his life, I'm sure. Um, sure. Let's dive in. We get, um, I think it's worth highlighting, we get some of Iroh's most iconic quotes we in sure this do. episode. Yeah, we do. Um, one of the, the one of the first ones being that you, that is very recognizable is, Pride is not the opposite of shame, but its source. Mm. True humility is the only antidote to shame. Boom. And that kind of goes, I didn't even think about that, but that's what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. right? Respect plus humility might be an antidote to bitterness mm-hmm. and i wonder if that like this says according to iroh that it's the antidote to shame as well yeah because like you get this moment where it's like i'm proud i'm not i'm not ashamed and iroh's like uh-uh one in the same like yeah which is a uh, really cool um the other moment we get in this which is as he's teaching him about the balance of all the elements together we get it is important to draw wisdom from many different places. Well, and that's the whole point of the show, right? That's why we do our devotions the way we do at the end of the episode, right? We we focus on all four elements, one each week, because we need all four in each of us in order to be whole, in order to be complete, in order to be full, um, to recognize our wholeness not as separate but as one. We also see what I think for the first time is a very iconic tree. In Iroh's dream sequence. Oof. Uh, Why? Why are you we, going there? Because we know it's coming and we have to mentally prep ourselves. We are going to have to do an episode on the Tales of Bossing Say. You sure we don't want to skip it? It is going to stink. We can skip it. I don't think we can. What if we skipped we it? We can't skip it. We have to feel our feelings. That's the whole point of this. We have to feel talking our about feelings. feeling our feelings. All right. Um, other big moments of bitterness in this episode. That oh, we there's noticed. so much. There's so um, many. That, well, let's let's go because we don't want to take too long. Are there moments that we want to highlight um, where where this bitterness cuts deep? Yeah. Okay. Can we really touch Aang and Earthbending for a second? And so we kind of briefly touched this at the beginning, but Aang is really an airbender at heart because that was his first element. And so he is very used to, uh, dodging. He's used to moving around a problem and solving it from a different direction rather than hitting things head on. And one of the things that or being I, I, movable or being movable. And one of the, this, the moment where he is meditating is such a powerful scene for me because that is me in a nutshell. Um, I really vibe with him in that moment. He's sitting there trying to meditate. Toph comes up, says, hey, I'm going to eat your food. I'm going to crush them with this really important thing for you. And Aang is like, no, I have no problems with you eating my food. No. And then he's like, but you probably shouldn't. And then he's like, soup. No, ah, it's an antique. Ah, and he just like, inside and then Toph walks away like banging his staff against rocks and things and then he just goes <sighs> and he tries to just meditate it off and I-, I think a lot of times what happens is we try to master ourselves rather than addressing the issue head on with someone else right like it's your problem like it's my problem rather than the fact that they are doing something 
to antagonize me mm-hmm. or just doing something that bothers me or doing something in a way that I feel like I need to address it. Right. And I feel like you have to like, cause you have to address it with that person. Correct. Not internally. Well, in, in the story I tell myself is that I'm not, you know, I haven't mastered my emotions enough if this is bothering me. Right. I haven't done enough self work if this little thing is bothering me. And therefore what happens in me is I become bitter with me. <laughs> I come, become bitter with the process. I become bitter. And then subtly that takes, because that bitterness is focused on me, it's not focused on the other person until it's too late. And I realize it's been subtly on that person for so long that it becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, that just really vibed with me because the, then Katara walks up and he's like, I'm meditating here. And what a funny line to be someone who's meditating and someone who's trying to work through something and then to come off with that much bitterness, <laughs> bitterness, mm-hmm. right? It's just such a um, interesting view that I just thought that was a really well-played scene. And it's just so true to real life for a lot of people that, like kudos to the creators for masterfully putting that in. When we see that, because that's a moment where Toph is like, "I'm just wanting you to stick up for yourself. Like I'm wanting you to." to yeah, do her that. intentions are good. Yeah, right. It's probably not the way to do it. Maybe not the best but, way. But yeah, that is a moment where you start to see that bitterness rear its head for Ang, um, and almost take it out on somebody else who. It was just masterfully put on screen. Deserving. Yeah. Um, no. And then you, this is also an episode with Zuko where you, we should talk more about Zuko. He is not as he does not start as bitter as you think he should. Because That's what I wrote because he's so focused on helping Iroh. and even he like when he notices like I need you to teach me firebending or stronger firebending, and I know I shouldn't want to hurt my sister, and you're gonna tell me that like I should try to get along with her. Like he is. More empathetic and understanding in this moment than he probably has been in the series. Literally what I wrote was, Zuko starts the conversation about Azula very calmly and logically. I have come to expect more bitterness from Zuko. Mm -hmm. I can see the change. Yeah, which is nice. And then when he isn't getting lightning bending the way that he is hoping to, you see that same frustration that we see in Aang. So there's a really cool parallel between Zuko and Aang trying to learn a skill. And you see him get to this moment where he starts to really... Um, he needs to prove that he can do this to the point to where he's like, all right, I can lightning bend, teach me how to lightning bend. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to hit you with lightning. Like, that's I'm not going to do That's so <laughs> yeah, dumb. Yeah, when you talk about the redirection. No. Like, yeah. He's like, you can do it, but I'm not going to like make you do it in this moment. I'm not going to shoot lightning in you. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> but he is so desperate, and I, I, I feel my perception is he's so desperate to prove to himself that he can do it and that he's worth doing it. Like, that he's got value and he can do it, that he has to go prove by standing in a storm. And talk about one of the most heartbreaking scenes in in the series is him begging the gods, the spirits, to, like, hit him with lightning. That was my question. You've never... You've never not done this to me. You've only hit me with lightning before, so like, why not now? Now that I know how to redirect. Well, it? that was my question. My episode, my mini episode, was on faith, and like, I have been questioning like, where does faith come up in this whole series? Where, where is the religion? Is there any? And I, I see this, and I'm wondering who Zuko's talking to, right? Or what? Or like, I, 
I was like, wow, is this a plead with God? Is this a plead with nature? Is this a plea with, like, what is it? And it, I was just very curious. It almost reminds me of the Tao from the Taoist religion. Sure. Uh, that it, it is this thing that exists that is bigger than us. Tell us more. That, that like, that's, it is just, it just is, right? It is this thing, and it is. And it's balance, and it's everything else, and it just, like, so I, it, it almost comes to me that it's not, it's not personified in this yeah. way. It is just this thing. Um, and I wonder if that's kind of how he's, how he's viewing life right now is like, there's something going yeah, on life, but we, but we look at it as, especially from an Americanized culture that's so heavily rooted in, um, with Christianity being a part of it as a personified God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is not just an Americanized thing. That's, it's there's a, so many religions that have personifications of, yes, that's um, correct. of this, of, of a greater spirit. And so. Um, I think that's what we, we closely recognize that as like this prayer, this like yelling at God and we, I wish so for him, I don't think it's necessarily a God. It could be a spirit. It could be a, it I could think, be life. It could be. I think it's really interesting because this episode and the next several episodes, we are going to see a lot of pain, pain, suffering. Yes. And, and that's just in the mirror. Well, and what happens is over the next several episodes, I, what we're going to see is a lot of anger masking the underlying emotion. Hurt. Uh, like whatever, grief, mm -hmm. sadness, profound sadness. Uh, there's so many different emotions that are gonna, we're going to see. And like in this, Zuko is so mad and then that last two seconds is we like we see the rain going down his face, and then we see the tears. At first, we're like, "Oh, he's not crying," and because he's so mad, and then he just bursts into tears and starts crying from this helplessness. And there's that line that's so subtle and gets and gets ignored so quickly in its as it's happening, which is the, "I try this and it blows up in my face, just like everything else." And like yeah. it's such a simple line. But how often do we hear people say stuff like that that we just fully ignore when that is such a moment of um, desperation? Um, it's It seems like a throwaway line. I just want someone like, to hear it. I just want someone to hear it. Please, someone, respond to this because I'm looking for it. Yeah. Oh, what a tragic moment. It's just so... like I, I'm so impressed with this show that it's able to pull that amount of emotion from you and you know what like the first time i watched the show i didn't get that sense of i didn't get that you know i you didn't get the, like the his like i got it hurt. i like i understood it but i you didn't realize how tragic the it really emotional was. pull is stronger the more and more i watch it and the more and more we discuss it and talk about these characters the more and more the more and more attachment i feel towards them and the more and more understanding and the more and more empathy that i have gained for these characters and so i just feel the show it gets better and better the more we talk about it and the more we analyze and the more we think about it so one of the things i've realized what with not just the show but with art forms or experiences more often than not is the the more that i've done emotional work uh and working with people and connecting the more that like I will tear up or cry and while watching TV shows or movies, 
And then the more that I that I allow myself to do that, the more frequently it actually starts happening. And I feel like we've talked about that before, not on this podcast, but in life of this moment of like the moment that you kind of let that open, that like the more frequently those moments start to happen. Um, and so as I'm like floodgates almost or a dam breaking. And you hear that all the time, right? As soon as you let the floodgates open. Um, but it's normally used in like a, I feel like a negative context. Exactly. Um, in which it really isn't. But the more that I've done work around this type of stuff or the more that I've learned about more human experiences with kids that I've worked with and parents that I've worked with, um, the more frequently it is that like I, the first time I watched the show, I definitely didn't tear up when Ang, yeah. uh, when, when Zuko Same. was on the mountain. And in this moment, it was almost just like, uh, like even in talking about it right now, I know like, it's so tragic. It. Yeah. Um, but I think that says a lot about just the work and understanding of your emotions and letting yourself feel those things and letting yourself connect with people on that. Because even though I've never experienced my father beating me in an Agni Kai, um, or I've never felt, I don't think I've ever truly felt the amount of trauma. shame and True trauma, trauma that, yeah. that Zuko's gone through. I can connect with that emotion and recognize it for what it is and understand yeah. that I can then also connect of moments of pain for me and saying like, I felt that way in this moment, even though it's a completely separate moment. And it allows you to create that connection and empathy because I think there's that misconception of, You've never experienced this, so you don't know what I'm feeling. And yeah. The reality is that's just yeah, that bitterness not the case. is real, mm-hmm. right? That's such a real bitter feeling. Oh, bitterness sucks. Yep. So, do we have anything else we want to highlight before we move on to uh, our final parts of, of this episode? I mean, there's always more to talk about, but I feel like we've covered what we need to cover. Max, anything to add? I've got nothing for you, but thank you. I will always ask. Might as well. Yeah. Never hurts to ask. All right, we will be right back. Uh, We do not have a voicemail this week, so we will highlight that. Please send in voicemails, voice memos to us with your feelings. Um, Again, we it's it's honestly one of my favorite parts of the show is hearing how y'all experience the show, why it makes it special to you, questions that you might have, um, things that you disagree with us on from previous episodes. I don't care if it's from season one. Um, if you've got something you were like, oh man, I read that moment just completely differently, uh, send us a voice memo Truly. and let us know. Absolutely. Uh, to the arc of e at gmail.com. Again, that's the arc of e at gmail.com. Um, and then so. BNB pod underscore pod. Yep. BNB underscore pod is our Twitter and our Instagram. We'll talk more about that. And we'll also, at the end of this episode, we're going to highlight some, some new podcasts or some different podcasts that are also out there from the arc of e network. Oh yeah. Um, that'd be great. So that if y'all are interested in that, you can jump on. But please send us voice memos to thearchivy at gmail.com. We would love to listen to them. And we will be right back with our weekly devotion. And we're back. We are going to be doing our daily devotion. Again, no voicemail this week, um, so please send those in to thearchivia.gmail.com. But we are going to be talking about bitterness and what our daily, our weekly devotion is through Earth, the element of Earth this time around. Um, ben, we'll start with you. What, what's your weekly goal? What's your, what's your thing you're going to try to do this week? Yeah, so as I talked about earlier in the episode, I'm struck by that scene with Aang meditating and his trying to master himself rather than addressing the issue head on. 
I it, they talk about throughout the episode how it's like it's uncomfortable. I don't want to lean. I don't want to deal with that. And that's something that I struggle with. It's uncomfortable, and I don't like having uncomfortable conversations if I can avoid it. And I want to master myself and not ha- feel like I have to worry. So I want to learn to stand my ground. I want to put my two feet on the ground, take a stance, and say what's bothering me when it does. And then what that will do is it will, like, I need to start seeing that as not selfish. I need to see that as me taking a step towards making the relationship better rather than me taking and me not being enough. And so that's how I'm going to lean into um, solving my bitterness problem, I think. I think that's great. And I I think it's also really important to highlight because I think what happens a lot in these moments when people are like, I must take a stand for myself, which is you absolutely should. You should absolutely set boundaries. And I'm never going to say that you shouldn't. Um, What happens is similar to when I think people say like, I'm just being honest, or I need to tell the truth, and they and it's done in such a way that is not compassionate or empathetic. Oh, at the same 100%. time, one hundred percent. And I know that you were not saying that you're just gonna like, and I'm gonna fight everyone who makes me. Oh mad. yeah, punch them in the mouth for um, sure. But I think it's really important to highlight that when you do stand up for yourself, when you do set boundaries, when you do have these conversations, you have to still do it empathetically and compassionate. One hundred percent. Have to lead with heart. And I think so many times people are like, I don't understand why they just got upset with me. I was just telling them that their cooking is terrible. And you're like, yeah, well, like. You could have done you, that you, in you a way. You could have done that in a way that was super kind 100%. and compassionate and not one that's just Yeah, like, I really appreciate you lifting that up for not only for me, but for our listeners as well. I think that a lot of times that can be a misconception mm-hmm. when it comes to standing up for ourselves. As we talk about bitterness for me and, and the way that I feel grounded, um, I'm going to go back to that initial article uh, that we talked about, about the habits that we that can um, lead to bitterness and not practicing gratitude being one of them. And I think for me, it's just a, a consistent reminder of this week, spending time every day just thinking about what are two to three things that I'm just genuinely thankful for. Um, and it doesn't have to be this massive thing. It can be the fact that, like, I've got a car that starts. Like, there, that is something to be have gratitude for or i've got food in my fridge that is something that i can show gratitude for um and so for me it's what are those two to three things each day that i want to start my day with by just showing gratitude and if it's people letting them know that i'm grateful for them and why i'm grateful for them um which i think is really important max anything you want to add to the very end of the episode before we move on not at this time Next week, we are going to be talking about the library. The library. Which, um, oh, oh, look at that. Another sad, terrible ending. Yeah, that's rough. That's uh, rough, buddy. These next ones are going to be tough. Yeah, the next several episodes, y'all brace yourself. I remember we posted on Instagram at, uh, at BNB underscore pod and uh, about just prepping ourselves for the Tales of Bossing Say episode. And someone was like, I literally just skip from the library past the, that uh, past Appa's last days or lost days. Um, we're doing that, right? We're not. We I don't think we can. But someone's just like, yeah, I just skipped those six episodes and I never watched them when I rewatched the series. Um, we're going to challenge you to watch those with us. And so you can share in, in the grief that comes with, with these upcoming episodes. So we will be doing the library next week through the lens of deception, not to be confused with the Christopher Nolan movie. 
And um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This is Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.